This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Hi, this is David Michael from the My Old Man Said podcast. Just a quick note, this is the second of two bonus podcasts recorded in Los Angeles, uh, the United States of America. This one is with uh, Villa fan Danny Delilio, who I chatted with uh, about all things Villa in downtown LA. Ideally, I would have liked to release this uh, a little while ago, but uh, for one reason and another, including a pandemic, it has been put back. So a few things have had to go uh, that would have dated it. But thanks very much to Danny and his partner in crime, Eric, for a fabulous late afternoon, evening in uh, Koreatown. Uh, Many laughs were had, some at the expense of Villa. The next uh, main show, episode 103, will be coming up within 24 hours of the release of this. So... uh, Get ready for that. So, there's only one more thing to say. Let's go check out some Villa fans in Hollywood. Welcome to the My Old Man Said podcast. I'm David Michael, the editor of MyOldManSaid.com. This is the second of the LA sessions. Joining me, I've managed to track down the second Villa supporter in LA because apparently uh, the California Lions are all based in uh, San Francisco. So uh, it's not easy tracking them down. But uh, joining me, well, I'm joining him because we're actually in his uh, apartment, is uh, Danny DeLillo. Hello. Who uh, you've you've been over LA for about seven years now? Too long. <laughs> it feels a long way from Aston, Birmingham. We are. I mean, we are sitting in his apartment, which has uh, it's like a full size window overlooking downtown LA. It's, a, it's. I don't know if it's a real view or not. That's what I was asking. I don't know if it's just like a moving picture that's on the wall. It could well be. You know, it's it's a penthouse apartment just with a picture up there. And there's a helicopter pad down below. So. Uh, Hopefully we get interrupted at some point because uh, it's going to be pretty freaky and I'll run off and take pictures. Where's my, <laughs> that's my phone over there. So here's the story. I'm uh, getting ready the night before. I'm just checking my email before I fall asleep to get up in the morning to uh, get on a plane to come to LA for a couple of weeks. And I get this email. Hi, David from Los Angeles. And I'm going, this, how, how, nobody knows I'm going to L.A. apart from my mother, probably, and, uh, you know, a couple of family members. That's about it. And people who I'm visiting. And it's Danny saying, you know, blah, 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 blah. I don't think I replied straight away because I was thinking, this is this a, some kind of like stalker or something? Because <laughs> <laughs> I got I, when I replied, I got an email back and I, I said, I'll be there f- from, you know, from now to... Um, the 16th and he said it gets weirder i'm actually flying uh, to the uk on the 16th and then i'm thinking stalker (laughs) 
So uh, if I uh, <laughs> if somebody finds this recording and uh, it actually never got released, I'm probably cut up in pieces, buried in uh, downtown LA somewhere. <laughs> yeah, it was me. It was me. <laughs> so moving to LA in, in the first place and wanting to keep up with Aston Villa. I mean, what what's the reality and what were the issues kind of straight away? Because I think seven years ago wasn't probably the greatest of times. No, it wasn't. I mean, the one great thing about living in California is is that when Villa aren't doing too fantastically well, you know, no one here wants to talk about it anyway because they're not talking about Aston Villa. But I think it was it was during the it was the Lambert era, you know, when things were quite boring um, and it was the same old, same old. And and thankfully, I was I was the depressed one here in the 2015 2016 <laughs> season. Just crying to myself. 1996 was my first full season um, that I supported Aston Villa. And we won the League Cup final and we finished fourth. And I thought, that's it. This is going to be the greatest days of, of my childhood life. And then we've never reached fourth since or actually won a cup final since. So it's that all been downhill true. from there. So where, where were you based in the UK before oh, you moved? in the UK, out? in London. All right, so, okay. you know, amongst all those London fans. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then moved out here and uh, in, in Southern California. And, uh, you know, I'm, I just found out I'm the second Aston Villa fan in Los Angeles. So that's good to know. <laughs> but apparently you told me earlier on the the other one has emailed you at uh, one point. Yeah, we you know there's a there's a great camaraderie between us two Villa fans here and uh, we <laughs> we hope that uh we hope that we actually want to meet up for have a beer together actually because you know I think whether you're an Aston Villa fan wherever around the world I, you know it's you have a you have something in common together that you can share and it's you know when you're outside of just the environment of going to a game all the time you know it's it's not very often you get to talk about Aston Villa yeah um well I mean I, I had the situation where I lived in Australia and France and you're basically you're going to well before uh you could stream uh, games on yes, of uh, course. <laughs> uh, uh, nefarious sites you could you know you'd have to go to uh, bars on your own or whatever yeah. you know you know it's kind of weird so it's like this uh it's a continuation of the internalization of your brain you're just yeah thinking about aston villa but not actually talking out aloud uh, so to speak it's with true. anybody else i mean this is how excited i was about seeing you today david uh, you know not aside from stalking you yeah. uh is is more the fact i i wore my aston villa shirt and for anyone that yes uh, so I'm, I'm sitting opposite somebody in the, the kappa awake kit and what, what what did you refer to it before us it's it's pretty much like wearing some ladies stockings that are being vacuumed around your body <laughs> That's the only way I could describe it because when you have the unfortunate of only just buying from the club shop and you've, you know, in every single size, you're buying every single piece of clothing in your life is the size that you want, except with Kappa, um, who decide to just suck you in. And I went crazy, David. I bought two elites. I bought the home and the away kit. And uh, I am been sitting with you for, a, you know, I had a nice cup of coffee, but I'm I'm sucked so much into this that I can barely breathe. So you know, luckily he's got a hoodie on, so I don't have to look yeah. too closely at what's happening. Yeah, you don't really want to see my belly hanging out. So you know, it's uh, it's a lot. And I think I want to know if there's any international fans that bought from the club shop that had the same problem because it's uh, it's a suffering to wear this shirt. Well, I, d- I did put out a, sh- uh, a mention, I, and I haven't done this on social media yet because I didn't want uh, well my social media to blow up, but. Uh, <laughs> Mentioned that there will be a meeting with a fan consultation group with Kappa and Fanatics. I'm quite curious about that meeting because they'll be coming in old smiley faces and yeah. they're just going to get uh, a shot of reality. Yeah. And they have set sizes. They have always had set sizes. So 
a lot you know a lot of the time it's teething problems so it's fans getting used to the new kit manufacturer and their sizing so i'm sure what they'll say to us is yeah but you know there's an awareness now of how you know our, our shirts fit so if they were to change the size and make a large really a large or you know medium a real medium or extra large a real extra large then that will confuse fans who have been like upsizing or you know downsizing right. or whatever but anyway we'll, we'll see what happens so so who are you you know what are you doing over here yeah, so I, over here, I work in entertainment and, you know, I, I work for a magazine over here and I do actually do a lot of interviews. So often enough, I'm in your seat. Shout out to Screen International. Shout out to Screen International. It's your number one media place to go to for <laughs> film insight. Uh, I hope they pay me for that. Um, no, it's 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 great being out here. I mean, I do get to interview and mix around the, the stars and it's it's very interesting being a Villa fan over here and being in the world of Hollywood. Um, in fact, I wanted to prove you to my love for, for Aston Villa by showcasing that I did walk down during the FA Cup final versus Arsenal, which we lost 4-0, um, in Claret and Blue Colours walking down Hollywood Boulevard on the Walk of Fame, which, as like most people in Hollywood, they're like, oh, it's just another crazy person walking down the street. Well, funny you mention crazy person walking down the street, because Danny mentioned this immediately in his first email to me. That's why I'm talking about... Uh, <laughs> Crazy stalker, because I thought, oh, yeah. oh, he's that guy. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, well, it's it's very funny that... But the, you've the, got to give everybody a second chance a in second life. A second chance in life, you know. We're here on Hollywood Highland. Let's go find out who's a Villa fan. So, I never knew that Spider-Man would ask the Villa fan, so who's going to win the FA Cup final? Aston Villa! Marilyn, who's going to win the game between Aston Villa and Arsenal? What was that? Aston Villa. They've been surrounded by two beautiful women and they're Aston Villa fans! Oh, go minis! So, we've got a very special guest with us today, our wonderful Aston Villa fan. Tom Hanks has a few words to say. Tom, who's going to win the FA Cup final? Up the Villa! Aston Villa, of course it is. And how, how many are we going to score, Tom? He's a bit quiet, he's had a lot of filming to do. How many? Ah, he says 4 0. There you see, you heard it here first. Tom Hanks says we're going to win 4 0. Up the Villa. <laughs> So talk me through that. Yeah, that was a... I, I don't know what came over me. I think I might have had too many beers or was that excited that we was in an FA Cup final again. Um, it was during those Tim Sherwood slightly uplifted era of Benteke scoring goals, but that was the only real endurance we had that season and this Cup final after we beat Liverpool. Yeah. Um, but I decided to... I called my friend who had a camera and I said... I want to do a video walking down in claret and blue. I want to paint my body and I'll walk down in my proud colors and I want to interview people and turn this, people this, into Villa this, fans. This is before he could afford elite fit shirts, by Yeah, the way. this was definitely, <laughs> although honestly, I think I'd rather that alternative to be honest, but um, you know, but so, and, and I thought how great would it be just to just turn Americans or at least let people find out about Aston Villa. And the interesting thing about it is I did that, did a video the Berman and Mail picked it up. The Metro picked it up. And actually, Copa uh, 90, I think, that big footballing oh, right. yeah, channel, yeah, yeah. decided to put it all over their, over their um, website. And of right. course, I actually wore those same colors and I sat in a pub full of Arsenal fans and then watched us lose 4-0. Um, yeah. So that was the end result with that. And I felt kind of a sorry mess after that. But, you know, so regardless. W- w- did you leave early? No, I actually grinned and bear it and stayed because I was still eating my, in my, eating my <laughs> fish and chips. <laughs> as you do in, in Los Angeles when you just crave a bit of home comforts. Um, but what, it was, what pub was that? Was it- 
Oh, God, it's somewhere in West Hollywood, actually. Um, uh, I mean, I think it, Bob mentioned it on the last one. Yeah. There's, there's like a, there's an infamous pub that most Premier League fans That go we kind of go to, yeah. I mean, the, the thing about it is, David, is, you, you know, that's the one thing I was I miss, actually, is because, you know, whilst everyone's in their late afternoon going to get their pint and watching the game, you know, I set my alarm for, you know, 6.45. I make sure the coffee's on and then I go and watch the game from 7 o'clock in the morning. I mean, it's a different mentality and feeling here yeah. supporting a team. Any weird remarks or anything when you were going up and down uh, Sunset Boulevard? I mean, I've, 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 I've seen the video. You're there with, like, Marilyn Monroe and yeah. Spider-Man and all that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, sadly, not, actually. Um, sadly, you realise you're just part of the furniture. You're part of the freak show that yeah. is Sunset Boulevard. <laughs> and that's probably the... You know, I realised how much I love my team because I probably could have got arrested, but, um, you know, I wasn't... I wasn't was basically semi-naked wearing claret and blue colors and you know most people hadn't heard what of the of the color claret because here it's burgundy, burgundy um as, as so. tom fox will uh, justify <laughs> um but but sadly no no one actually uh, came up to me everyone thought this was just another day in hollywood oh we got police sirens police this sirens. time finally some action going on perhaps, perhaps they found me after all this time yeah. um but it oh it's, it's just getting louder there we go he was he was just telling me he was boasting about this this big window that we're looking out <laughs> on LA and seeing how soundproof it was. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> Wait till the helicopter lands. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, but it, it, it it's it's interesting, you know, being a Villa fan over here, and um, it's tough. It's it's kind of it's kind of tough. You miss, you know. I mean, I I think you're the first Villa fan I've ever met in Los Angeles wow. that is I've spoken to in such depth. Wow! Wow. Yeah, it's yeah. a lonely one from Villa Park. Yeah, no, I miss exactly what Bob was saying on the the first LA session. And, you know, he was saying he exchanges emails with Tom Hanks because, you know, Tom yeah. Hanks takes pictures of himself watching Villa just to prove that he's, uh, yeah. you know, he's, he's on the, you know, he's a proper fan, so to speak. I mean, let's, let's talk about, uh, are, are there any moments that you've kind of wished you were in the UK, you know, watching a game that's happened. I mean, it's it's not the greatest time for Villa like the last seven years anyway. Mm. So, I mean, the playoffs were was a great time. Yeah. The FA Cup, I think the semi-final was a great time. Yeah. But apart from that, I mean, obviously, you know, semi-final against Leicester this time around was, you know, the way it finished. Uh, do, do you miss at all not being able to be in those moments or... Because it's a different thing having the euphoria at like eight o'clock in the morning or whatever yeah. than you know when you're you've been awake all day. And, oh, a hundred percent. You you really do miss those moments, and it's I think sometimes it's hard to describe as well because just because you're not at the ground every single week um, doesn't mean I'm not as an adamant of a fan of yeah. my club, but or our club. But it is it is very strange because like the playoff final, I think um, I won't be ashamed to say there was just tears coming out of my eyes. And I just was thought this is this is uh, an incredible feeling. And there's nothing better than just being around anyone that's in the same journey as you and going through that experience of us reaching the Premier League again. And I think more so like the weirdest thing that we do as fans is that you know if we score a goal we'll just hug the person next to us like they're like our family and i think you miss those kind of moments yeah. and you've never had a conversation with them before well i was at the ice hockey last night uh, the la kings here at the staples center and when the, i mean the kings aren't doing great this season there i think they're in the bottom two and they were playing calgary flames yeah and they're in i think the playoff picture so you're not expecting anything but the kings were good and they won and when the kings score everybody's high-fiving yeah you know in front below you know behind and uh you know 
is that instantly, even though we, you know, me and my friends were just like, let's say, tourists, and yeah. that's you know, we're, we're sports fans, but we, you know, we've been to hockey games, but not LA. But you suddenly feel you're part of it straight away. You do, and I think the thing, the thing that I miss the most actually is like, is the pure excitement. Like when you go to a game in the United States, it's almost the whole experience of it. I mean. You know, you, there's the there's a cheerleading, there's moments of there's breaks, there's timeouts, there's this. When you go and watch the villa, you are just literally in it for ninety minutes, and you're in it, and you're passionate, and it's it's all go go go. And I think I missed that because you know, it, villas like it's part, it's like your religion. You know, you really really. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, it's different. Going to Villa Park was different from saying going to the Kings because the Kings like a night is a night out. Yeah, people were bringing us drinks, and yeah. you're ordering them. You know. Yeah silly prices but you know you're you're away so what the hell and then you know music pumping in between uh, every break and then you've got the the screens at the top you know where capture people dancing or doing silly things like the flex and you know all this kind of stuff yeah. and you kind of get into it and you understand why uh, people enjoy it because normally the let's say the more cynical english sports fan will be going you know what a load of bollocks and when you go to villa park there's pretty much nothing on apart from prize where it lies where somebody tries to kick a football on a target <laughs> to win like his height in heineken or uh, <laughs> A season ticket for next season, which may be in the championship. Yeah. So it's not exactly like uh, top billing kind of entertainment. No. But uh, anyway, let's bring it to the present. What's your take on the season so far? I think, honestly, that we just need to appreciate that we're still back in the Premier League. I mean, I am kind of one of those silently optimistic people because I remember how that painful feeling of four years ago when we had a group of players that just did not feel like they wanted to play for the club. Like, it was just in turmoil. And we've been for a lot in that time. And so, you know... I think sometimes we have a bit too much expectation on Aston Villa, but, you know, respectfully, the players we did bring in the summer, they were younger developing players. I mean, you know, two, three years time, I think there'll be the different players to what we see today. And I think we have to kind of appreciate that a little bit. Yes, there have definitely been some results that have been surprising, like the Watford 3-0, for example. But I wasn't surprised, to be honest. You weren't surprised. Uh... Because they they certainly were they were they were up and running and Nigel Pearson uh, hadn't lost at that point. Uh. But I think we got to feel I think we got to feel that we're we're doing okay. Um, you know, I think there's still a now quite a bit of time between now and the end of the season. I mean, you know, we've missed some key players, obviously like McGinn, for example, who's like our engine room in the in the team. So I think we're gonna do better. You know, towards the end of the season, I still feel the best is yet to come. You know, the one thing I like about I mean, because listen, I'd love McGinn to be playing right now, but I, I really feel he may have got snapped up at the end of the season. And now I feel like in a weird way, his loyalty might just exist for, with Villa. Um, well, I don't know. Let's, let's, let's talk about this McGinn being snapped up at the end of the season. I think we're in, we're in an age now where teams can keep players because they can afford the wages because the TV rights money are so much that there's no real difference playing for Bournemouth and playing for Everton and you know playing for any any team within probably about a 15 team kind of stretch at the middle table to uh, anything outside the top four shall we say so with that said I mean Manchester United for example have, they've got problems in the hierarchy fans rebelling will Ole Gunnar Solskjaer be there at the end of the season who knows McGinn to Manchester United that was the first rumour then it went to uh, Grealish and if Villa stay in this division they're in the cup final already so that's a hint that players can fulfill their ambitions at Villa 
They know about the owners and their money. They've also been on the adventure so far. So Grealish is invested in it. And McGinn is as well, because it's obviously transformed his career and he's had great times with Villa already. Nobody knew who John McGinn was, uh, apart from the you know Scottish football fans before uh, he came to Villa. So I don't think we've got any problems uh, keeping those two players as long as we stay in this division. If we get relegated, then it's going to be like it would have been if we didn't get promoted this uh, season just gone. So uh, that's where these rumour mill, you know, clickbait stuff have got a one foot in some truth because if we get relegated, then you look back at all these clickbait and they're all basically uh, substantiated and you can't say what they were wrong. But if we, we stay up, I think, you know, you look back at all this rumour mill and just say it's a load of bollocks. I really hope so because, I, you know, like, I mean, Christian Perslow has obviously got you know, a great direction for this club. And he says he doesn't want to be a selling club and he obviously wants to build our club up. And, you know, I'd like to think that we have such a good rapport, even even when we're going through these hard times of going through these, uh, you know, quite a few defeats, obviously, as of late, um, we still got a good fan relationship with the players, which, you know, I think says a lot about our fans, says a lot about how the players feel. Um, we're still supporting the dream. Um, because and we, we we are we are on an adventure with yeah. this set of players. I mean, the good thing about we managed to keep the likes of Mings, McGinn, and you know even like you know El Ghazi. You know he was obviously on loan. Uh, Courtney Hawes, he was on loan, and we've we've got a, a spine there of players that are actually invested and they've already experienced the up of promotion. So we we as supporters have an investment in these players, which you know rings true, and we'll give them more patience we won't be on their back straight away i mean there's obviously some psychos out there you know immediately uh, if you just lose a game you know they're going crazy i remember against bournemouth at villa park uh, when we went 2-0 down really early and then got one back and didn't quite make it some guy just walking past me uh, just saying just shouting at the pitch you've brought a load of shit Smith, You're just like, dude, there's only a couple of games down or whatever yeah. it was. It's like this, you know, what is it's like it's not entitlement, it's just uh, blindness to the situation. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Say hello to a new era of mental health care. Cerebral is here to help you achieve your mental wellness goals with professional therapy and medication management support. 100% online you'll experience the all-new Cerebral Way, an innovative approach to mental wellness designed around you. You'll get a personalized treatment plan from a therapist, prescriber, or both in a safe and judgment-free space. Your Cerebral therapist or prescriber will outline a customized plan with clear milestones along the way, so you can get to feeling your best. With Cerebral, you're not alone in your mental health journey. We're here to empower you to live a fulfilling life. So take that first step towards a brighter future and sign up today at Cerebral.com slash podcast and use code ACAST to get 15% off your first month. Offer only valid on monthly plans. Other exclusions may apply. Offer ends July 31st, 2024. See site for details. Picture the scene. All of your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Partner this with your team playing champagne football. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. 
there's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Yeah. And the bigger picture is, we, you know, I keep saying this, uh, promoted teams sometimes have that one transitional season and then the next season, once they're calibrated for the Premier League, or the top tier, as it used, you know, when it was Division One, do amazing things. Yeah, I, I really believe that. I think this is probably the best I've felt about Villa's future. You know, the saddest thing about the last time I felt this good was probably when we got Martin O'Neill. We had an influx of money. Look how that ended. Yeah. But this feels like we've kind of learned from all those mistakes. We're really building a, a team of players that I think. Hopefully, they're gonna. The development is gonna grow whilst being at Aston Villa. I mean, we forget sometimes Douglas Luiz is twenty one years old. Yeah, you know what no, I mean. Totally. Wesley is 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 twenty two years old, twenty three, and so we've got all these young players. So Gre- really, Grealish, the the captain is twenty four. I mean, I feel like he's about to end his career. He's been with us that long. It yeah, just feels yeah. like he's about to do his testimonial. But I mean, at the end of the day, I think that is what we've hopefully got as a group of players. We're gonna grow with, and they're gonna grow with us. I do believe. Hopefully, we'll just get rid of the you know some of the dead. Wood that's still left in the team. I, mean, I think Henry Lansbury's just he's he's got to make movements. Um, I think we're going to build around this team, and I hope I think there'll be some more additions in the summer. And we are Aston Villa, you know, we're not we're not Bournemouth. Yeah, I think what Bournemouth are is this, uh, and, and I'm not getting at Bournemouth because they are in a position they perhaps never thought they would ever be uh, right. going back let's say 10 years but there's a survival culture of some clubs that just survive in the Premier League to get that money and they're just running as a business the sport element has has long gone what you get when you get in a cup final another thing is it's like global exposure as well and you know the way that works is you could be like a kid who's watching football for the first time and you're watching Villa and that's what gives you the bug and these, yeah. these are the little things that do happen and do occur you know when you're asking people you know why do you support Manchester United oh when we you know I was like six years old watching you know them versus whatever when they won the cup and you know I was bitten by the bug from that you don't have that chance if you don't have the exposure and yes there's a kind of uh, mentality Villa fans if you like if you're not from Birmingham or you know if you're not in proximity but they you know those days of that kind of geographical tribalism is is kind of long gone now I mean the bigger clubs are embracing the world and that's what's making them bigger and more powerful and, and keeping that status quo position Villa's owners CEO they want to break into that group and some things that are good about Villa are going to change and some things for the better, you know, some things not so good, like it'll be harder to get tickets, it'll be harder to get Wembley tickets as we visit there almost, you know, every year, hopefully. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's, I don't want to be a survival club. I mean, you know, people whose height of their ambition is just to survive and then watch one of the big four playing in Europe and, you know, because they uh, don't mind watching neutral football. I, I don't give a shit about watching neutral football. I want Villa playing those games. I agree. And I, I actually have a very similar story to Tom Hanks. I mean, you know, I, I also thought when I was listening to the football schools, Aston Villa sound like a good place to live. And boom, I'm a Villa fan, you know, and uh, <laughs> that's how it started really? when I was a kid. No, it's really true. I heard the football schools the same way he did. And I thought, oh, that sounds like a great place to live. And uh, no, I became a Villa fan. And that season, it was the, the end of the run. Now, now he tells us. Now he tells us, right? Can you believe it? So Tom Hanks copied my story, but hey, what can we do? Um, but no, I think, I mean, let's not underestimate all the things that have gone on behind the scenes. Like, I really feel that 
Christian Perslow and the team are trying to create a global force. And I also think that's fans in different places. I mean, you know, we've got two Brazilian internationals. I mean, we've got two Egyptian kings. We've got, you know, we're, we're going into Tanzania now. And with that, we're also creating new fans from other places that yeah. aspire to these footballers. And I think our globalization of the brand of Aston Villa, which he said in many of his press conferences, um, that that's important to the club, I think is also something that Aston Villa is trying to do. I mean, that's why Manchester United have so many fans in all across but, the world. And I think, I mean, it's, you can get deep with this topic because, for example, I think we mentioned this on the show before, like the Egyptian fan base. Now, I mean, I, I remember I ran a, uh, a Venglas View, which is a satirical column that I do on the website from mm-hmm. time to time if I see anything. And one of them was when they brought Elmo. The big thing about immediately was like wow he has more twitter followers and instagram followers than the actual club so i made a joke well uh, the article was the joke running on the uh, the premise that villa was signing players purposely to boost their social media numbers so they'd get all these egyptian fans and uh, i got uh, news from a from somebody who works there that actually people in marketing were like sweating over this because really the satirical bit kind of bypassed them so i was thinking yeah there's signs of guilt there they, they say they're not exactly uh, disappointed by the fact he's got uh, you know millions of uh, followers so trezeguet comes along same thing so this is all good and at the fan consultation group meeting with perslow perslow is talking about uh, the commercial director is in uh, egypt now you know looking at potential deals and so you're thinking oh you know maybe we'll have egyptian airways as a shirt sponsor and you know and again this is all good but i but i i said but with such uh branching out and let's say globalization of the brand there's other issues like for example uh when it was uh like the celebration of pride or what, what do they call it it's like rainbow laces oh yeah that's correct where they changed the the club's badge to you know rainbow design rainbow colors and then you looked at the f- Facebook and the motto's all in. And then suddenly it was all these, I mean, people joke about the Egyptian fans because if you say anything about Trezeguet, King Trezeguet, right, they correct. go crazy. Yeah. But here we're in a situation where all they did was post the Villa badge in rainbow colors. And you've got like, it went into like 20, 25,000 angry faces and then a lot of Arabic and you translate them and it's like, whoa. Yeah. And I mentioned this to Perslow and I said, you know, I'm just putting it out there. It's something you have to think about. And I said, it's an interesting situation and it's something that needs talking about because the club in the past has just walked into things without realizing the whole context of their actions. So you could be celebrating, you know, fantastic relationship with Egypt, but obviously a big percentage of their country is Muslim and they have certain viewpoints on something that you're striving to do and that's promote diversity and inclusivity. And But there's a clash there and suddenly, you know, you go on Phyllis Facebook page and suddenly you're not very you know welcome if if you're gay or you're lesbian or you know lgbt it's like oh shit you know all these promises and then you look at that and it's like whoa yeah and and i mean i i love the fact that we're just this you know global multicultured you know club in terms of players fans staff everything i mean whether you want to include this or not but you know i'm part of the lgbtq community that support aston villa and i have to say during my growing up during the struggle of that aston villa actually really got me through because I was so focused on football and loved my club I used to play football at school um, it sort of helped me get through those moments because I put my focus into Aston Villa never did I believe in my lifetime 
the I'd be seeing, you know, rainbow laces and rainbow colors from my Aston Villa players, the corner flag, a rainbow color. And I'm not an LGBT activist. So I just promote equality. Yeah. But that for me was a very special moment. And that was quite amazing. And I was, I was blown away by that. And I was very proud of Aston Villa for stepping up against that because let's not forget the fact that, you know, we're quite far behind in appreciating that. I mean, here in LA, the LA Dodgers actually have, you know, promotion of the LGBTQ community and every community here in, in baseball and no one really butters an eyelid. Yeah. Um, you know, we're a bit behind in soccer for many different reasons and football. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so I'm just saying, I think going back to having different communities, um, you know, d- different communities feeling different things. I like to feel we all come together because we're Aston Villa fans, no matter what you're feeling, so to speak, because yeah. we're all we're all part of that same club. But I mean, looking at this issue uh, in this meeting was uh, Sam Villa and Proud, the LGBT group, and that was his first meeting. And I, you know, I said to him after that, I mentioned that partly as a bit of a grenade, just to let's see if we are just posturing here and just like, oh, it's like box ticking. And he he walked out of that learning things like three players did not wear the pride the special pride shirt. And you know, you can guess the three players, Trezeguet, Elmo, and also El Ghazi. Now, they're not going to wear those shirts because of obviously their beliefs, you know, which is fair enough. But did the club have that conversation with them? You know, what was the discussion? Because everybody's, you know, it's painted out in public that everybody's wearing the shirts, everybody's supporting it. We're all inclusive. But the reality is, you know, certain faction of the fan base is against it. And it creates this toxic environment, which, you know, we're we're glad they're all here supporting Villa. And, you know, Villa are happy because they've suddenly, they're growing, growing, growing the fan base. But as Sam mentioned to me are they of Aston Villa more concerned about the commercial aspects of this like for example if they're doing you know deals in Egypt or you know are they really you know taking the let's say you know fans feelings about this rather than just posturing but you know that, that we will see how it plays out but it's just it's an interesting story it is interesting i think it is nothing is clean cut there's no right there's no wrong it's like people are religious there's people who are not religious and they work together in the same offices but there's no kind of public facing anger so uh, this is something to you know see how aston villa deal with it as any of football club has to deal with it I think it'd be interesting to look back. I mean, I think Villa's always been kind of a leading club in, you know, first foreign players, first black players, you know, first players from first countries. And I think, um, you know, our clubs always seems to feel like it's leading the way to eventually get to the point where we don't really care. And I hope we yeah. get to that point with, and, and, with yeah. all perspectives. You yeah. Know? And I mean, recently in the last, say the last 10 years, that's, that was that has been a problem that they haven't really been leading the way they've they've played it safe because because it hasn't been going well on the pitch any excuse for fans to vent their anger creates a situation where Villa don't want to put their f- foot forward and, and that's not a way to to run a football club it doesn't matter if you're winning or not you've you've got a it's 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 principle there's, there's other teams around the world that are well known for this and they're in like the third division in the you know that St Pauli in uh, Germany are, are hardly challenging Bayern Munich or whatever but you know socially they are they get it right yeah i i believe that 
you know, when it comes to being an Aston Villa fan, everyone's got different opinions, belief in different cultures, religions, etc. And I think the one thing that what makes our club great is when it comes to Aston Villa and the 90 minute start and we all involve together and hope we get three points. I just hope that that's the moment we remind each other that, you know, we're all just human beings supporting Aston Villa at the end of the yeah. day. And I hope we get to that point and just, you know, we're, ne- we're never, even Aston Villa fans aren't always going to agree in everything, you know, unless it's, you know, it's, uh, talking just, about the blues. Yeah, no, well, there you go, common enemy. But even, you know, even enemies, I uh, always remember the, the example, uh, I think it was the First World War Christmas when in the trenches, German soldiers and British soldiers mm. put their differences aside for a game of football. It's amazing. You know, the day before they'd been fucking firing machine guns in people's heads their yep. the opposition's heads and it was hell on earth but for that one day that you know the human quality of do you think we could do that i mean do you think if we we're in the trenches with the blues fans do you think we could play a game of football together that's the question well well once upon a time uh if you lived in Birmingham, one Saturday when Villa were at home, you'd go and watch Villa, if you were a Villa fan. And then when the Blues, I mean, we're talking about the 60s here, probably before that. And then if Birmingham were playing home, you'd go and watch them or the Baggies. It was more this kind of support of, you know, the West Midlands area teams. Now you could never, you know, you're at a Villa game and, you, and you're saying to the guy next to you, yeah, yeah, I think I'll go to St. Andrews next week because the Blues are playing uh, Brentford. That would never, you know, if you said that to somebody now, you go, what the hell are you talking about? But I've, you know, I've spoken to and interviewed uh, fans from a few generations older than me and they've said, yeah, it used to be great. You used, you used to go to both grounds because you'd want your wow. weekend football fix. You didn't have to support them. And also in those days, there was no segregation. Yeah. So everybody's like trying to out-sing each other, but they're all in the same stands. And I think that dynamic's quite interesting. Like, there's not that kind of uh, impulse to batter the opposition fan. It's, you've got to out-sing him. You, and, you know, when you're next to each other trying to eat, it kind of just create a fun banter and, and like this kind of weird uh, circumstance that you can't even envisage now. It's kind of bizarre. Well, it's like your banter with Scott Hogan. I mean, it's got even more laughable now because uh, he's he's uh, scoring. Th- I wonder now if I could say to you, let's go and watch the Blues and watch Scott Hogan score for for Birmingham City. I don't know if I, I don't know if I could stomach that one. I don't well, if I could go that far. I, I know people have only tuned in that, for the <laughs> Scott Hogan touch count. I mean, we're not going to do it now because we need a third person. But uh, here's a funny story. Somebody approached me. They wanted to sponsor the show. Uh, it was a betting company. The problem was, it was the betting company who had just become the official sponsors of the Blues. And uh, so you're thinking, well, I don't want betting companies as a sponsor, but life is not great. If somebody wants to throw a shed load of money to help uh, push this podcast forward, then uh, let's let's see what they've got. So you approach this and you think, I don't want a betting company to sponsor the whole show. So let's rule that one out. How can we do this? How can I do this? A, that it's kind of funny, and B, that I can probably sleep at night. And so I got back to them and said, uh, here's an idea. What about sponsoring uh, like the most popular section of the show, the Scott Hogan touch count meter? <laughs> and they were like, ah, oh. and they listened to the show and they said, yeah, yeah, we'll be well up for that. And I said, yeah, still the elephant in the room. You are the official sponsors of the the sacred oath that thou shall not uh, talk about the opposition uh, or even, you know, have any links to them. And they and they had meetings about this. And, about uh, Scott Hogan. About the Scott Hogan touch count. And I just love the fact that corporate boardroom table, they are talking about the Scott Hogan touch count meter, mm. which is just wow. something we do for a laugh. We don't even know why people like it. It's just some frivolous fun. And, uh, you know, it's, it's good fun. And, 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 you know, these are the things that help podcasts. So, you know, you, you wouldn't 
wouldn't get such frivolous fun in like some kind of commercial entity or, or, or whatever. Somebody who's doing something for numbers or whatever. So uh, we had a bit of two or three. They were like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I, I needed I needed the what they would pay would, would justify the hatred and flack that would be thrown my way. <laughs> I needed to be able to afford like a steel umbrella that I could just repel, <laughs> repel people, uh, you know, chucking poison and acid at me or... Uh, Wow. But uh, so anyway, they they were going way, way, way too low. So it, I chuckled, obviously, when Hogan went to the Blues because it would have been the perfect sponsorship. I would have been set up ready for it. Brilliant. <laughs> it had been like Carpool Karaoke became its yeah. own show. <laughs> It would. It was like oh, it was a good job you sponsored me because look what look what happened. I mean, I I did think of like emailing them and saying, well, I think we can talk now, <laughs> but actually release it as a separate thing just for blues fans or something. Oh, I'm sure they'd appreciate it. <laughs> but no, it would have been an interesting one just to see what fans. I think people who liked the show would have appreciated the irony of it because it was uh i was just exchanging emails uh with them just i was if i pull this off it would be hilarious but obviously you've got to pull it off t- to justify it. i mean i could have pulled it off no problem just to do it but it's got to be kind of worth it as well and i would rather you know that's the whole idea of uh what's good about having patrons support the show is uh you don't have to get into deals with these nefarious people which you know betting companies and betting app companies and all that kind of stuff it's it's just i don't know it's like the leeches and yeah i never excite when we have a a betting sponsor on our shirt i'm like oh god here we go again you know i mean acorns obviously felt the best obviously that wasn't bringing the club any money but it was a good gesture but it just feels like we've just cheapened ourselves you know you think of all the sponsors in the world and we've got you know i just think we're better than that i don't know that's kind of what rings my bell and i'm thinking what are aston villa really getting from this to be fair like isn't there any i mean i'd 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 rather greg's on the front of my shirt like something that's just that's just not a bad idea can you imagine that greg's in the <laughs> Greg's in the club. Oh, Greg's all over that's, Aston Villa. We're going for that. Cornish pasties galore. That's up there with the Muller. Yeah. Oh, Muller. Oh. I mean, the players would get a fridge load. Well, year's supply of Muller. They'd get, a, uh, well, yeah, kind of a year's supply of Greg's. I don't, I think if you plot, <laughs> plotted that against a graph of Villa's performance, it'd probably uh, probably send them down. And uh, But the irony is. They'd be in Division 2 within a few seasons. The irony is, I still eat Muller yogurt just because it was a Villa sponsor. So it's working, oh, yeah, even yeah, after yeah. all these years. You know? I know, it's exactly. It's kind of branded on people's brains. Uh, but what happened to AST Computer? That's what I want to know. Who, who gives a shit? Who, who gives a shit about QuickBooks? <laughs> QuickBooks. Oh God, Shout we've had. Out. To, yeah, that, yeah. But yeah, no. If you're a company and you want, or you have a company and you want to sponsor the Scott Hogan Touch Count Challenge, and we've had some uh, good sponsors already, actually, who are in on the joke. Please do get in touch. Uh, no blues associations, preferably. Right. I think we should uh, wrap up now as the sun begins to set over downtown LA. I'm still waiting for this helicopter to land on this pad outside this window. Your Twitter address will be on uh, this yeah. podcast when I put out. So, uh, Danny Delulo. Do get in touch with Danny and let's see if we can grow this LA fan base from two, because Tom doesn't live here, does he? No. No, from two to uh, thousands. I'm sure uh, Christian Perslow will uh, welcome that as well. (laughs) Right, until uh, next time, it's goodbye from me and it's goodbye from him. Goodbye.
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximize your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.